we're going to continue in a series today that we've been working on. We're actually wrapping it up today. And the series is titled Loving Each Other. And specifically today, we're going to look at helping meet spiritual needs. So we have been talking for a few weeks about how Jesus told us they would know we were believers by how we loved each other and how we loved those around us. And that verse comes from John 13 and verse 34. It says, now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. So how is the world out there, how is the community going to know that you are a believer? By how you love. All right, so we've been through that a few times. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that verse, but I want you to remember one way they know. Again, not by how loud you preach, not by... You know, how many times you end up at the church. I think it's good to get to the church, but that's not how they know. They know by your love. You see, we are actually commanded to love each other. It wasn't a suggestion. Like, well, I'm going to love everybody, but not that guy, because, you know, he did me wrong once. No, no, everybody, he said. All right? We are commanded to do that. Loving like Jesus means we do the things he did. And he made it really clear to us. He showed us how to do it. He showed us by living it out. He taught it. He talked about it. But he also did it. That's the best teaching you can get. Somebody who tells you and shows you. Because we need both. I don't know about you, but I can remember some of my school days. And my favorite teachers were the ones who talked about it, and showed it. You know, the, the one who just said, read the book and figure it out, that was not my favorite teacher. And the one who just talked nonstop, you know, they had to do both. I remember I had a high school teacher, grade 12 biology, and that teacher, he would get up there in front and he would just start talking and he would scribble all over the blackboard. They were green boards, but they called them blackboards. Anyhow, they were... One, I think he had two full blackboards. By the end of an 80-minute period, he had scribbles and arrows back to this and arrows over to there. And I was taking notes. The first week of class, I was taking notes. I'm like, we're probably going to have to know this stuff. And after a week of this, I was like, I got like half a notebook full already, and I can't understand any of it. He liked to talk, but he was all over the place. He was too smart. That's all the problem was. He knew everything. And the guy behind me, I think it was his second or third time in Biology 30, but he said to me, you know, it's all in the book. His notes don't ever make sense. (laughs) (laughs) But the good teachers, I I remember them well. I remember having a teacher in grade 7, 8, and 9. I went to a Christian school, and there was a, a man who was teaching, and he was an amazing teacher. You could tell he loved what he was teaching, and he would talk about it, read about it, and show you, and then get you involved. So, maybe you have a teacher you remember. Did they show you and tell you? If they did, you probably still remember some things they taught you. I do. So, Jesus was the greatest teacher. You see, he understood human beings. 
He, after all, created them. And he taught us to love. You see, the first thing, when we begin to look at helping meet spiritual needs, I want to show you what Jesus did and what he asked us to do. Now, we've gone through a few different topics already, and if you were here last week, we talked about helping meet physical needs. Actually getting out there and helping meet someone's physical need to show love. Anyhow, today we're looking at helping meet spiritual needs, and this message might be a little different for some of you. Some of you might be like, we're going into the spiritual stuff? We are. Jesus, first of all, in the spiritual realm of things, he made a way for us to be reconnected with our Heavenly Father. And this is a spiritual matter. So I want to just give you a couple of verses on this because it is the most important thing he did to reconnect us because sin had come in and sin made a disconnect between God's people and him. John 14, 6 Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. There's only one way back to the Heavenly Father. That is through Jesus. And this is a spiritual matter because our Heavenly Father is a spirit. You see, John 4 and 24 says, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. If you're a Christian, your whole faith is a spiritual matter. God is not some imaginary being out there. He's not a physical being. He's spirit. He has the ability and power, of course, to have a physical form if necessary. And according to Scripture, Jesus was God in the flesh. If you're ever wondering what he would look like as a person, it was Jesus. So he's a spirit. Your whole being in desire for church and knowing God means you have a desire for the things that are spiritual. Most people today have a pretty good understanding that we live in a spiritual world. Most people you meet, it doesn't matter if they have faith or not. They will say, there's definitely something out there. I've met people who so do not want to believe in a God but they know something's going on that is beyond here. So they won't believe in God, but they'll believe in aliens because that's way more believable. Okay. Rather than believe in spiritual, we'll believe something that's far, far out there. And if you're here this morning, you're like, I've seen an alien, but I'm not telling you. I have scripture that talks about that. They're called evil spirits. So... There's a spiritual world, even people who don't want to believe in God know there's something more beyond this flesh that we see. Most people understand that. Things have happened that they can't explain. It's because we live in a spiritual world. But Jesus cared so much that he said, hey, I want my people connected spiritually again with the Heavenly Father. And so he made a way. He made a way by laying down his life. In John 15, verse 12, he said this, This is my commandment, love each other the same way I've loved you. It sounds just like the first verse, but it's actually a different verse. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. Jesus said, love matters, love is a spiritual matter, and I love you so much, I'm going to lay down my life that your spirit can once again be connected with the Heavenly Father. So, 
We're going to talk a little more about the spirituality of salvation at the end of today's message. But for those of you who would call yourself Christians, I need to ask you this. Do you know how to help people in this spiritual area of salvation? Because we're talking about showing love to those around us by meeting a spiritual need. The greatest spiritual need you can meet for someone is to lead them to Christ. So do you know how? If God asked you today to talk to your neighbor and pray with them to be saved, do you know how? Can you meet that spiritual need? Don't worry. We do it here at the end of service all the time, and it's really simple. Okay? But I'm going to ask you that question, because if you're going to go out there and love people by meeting spiritual needs, you've got to know how. All right? And if you're here today and you're like, I don't even know if I'm saved, we're going to give you opportunity at the end, okay? So just hang in there with us. It's going to be good. Jesus did this for us, but also we see that Jesus loved people by dealing with evil spirits and setting people free, okay? Matthew 8, verse 16. That evening, many demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus. He cast out the evil spirits with a simple command, and he healed all the sick. Seeing people set free is simple. If you've been in situations where it's complicated, you see, the thing is, as people, we can make it as complicated as we want. But Jesus made it simple. Okay? When we're talking about seeing people set free, like Jesus did, whether it's a spirit connected to sickness or possibly a spirit connected with depression, we're going to talk a little bit about that. Now, right from the get-go, I want to say this. When we talk about spiritual matters, there is a balance. You can't say everything is a spiritual problem, and you can't say nothing is spiritual. All right? So if this morning your toothpaste fell off the toothbrush, you don't be commanding the spirit of toothpaste or something, okay? It's, that's going extreme. But to suggest there's nothing spiritual, you're going to struggle through life. Okay? So, it's simple. Jesus made it simple, and with a simple command, people were set free. Listen to Luke chapter 13 and verse 10. It says, One Sabbath day, as Jesus was teaching in a synagogue, he saw a woman who had been crippled by an evil spirit. She had been bent double for 18 years and was unable to stand up straight. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said, Dear woman, you are healed of your sickness. Then he touched her, and instantly she could stand straight. How she praised God. Simple. Jesus made it simple. He taught his followers that it is simple. I've been involved in ministry since I was about 15, and I was in music ministry to begin with, and seen lots of meetings and lots of spiritual things happen and lots of people set free. Every day there's things going on that are not obvious and you need to know you have authority. Because here's the thing, if you try to deal with a spiritual problem physically, you can't. Do you know how many people I've met who are trying to do all the right physical things but it's a spiritual problem? And you will get tired and grow weary trying to work hard enough 
to physically deal with a spiritual issue. Jesus' followers helped to set people free from evil spirits also. Luke 10 and verse 17, he sent them out. He sent out 70, and when they returned, this is what happened. It said, the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Nothing shall by any means hurt you. Jesus gave his followers authority over all the power of the enemy. Do you understand what that means? That means his authority is higher than any other authority. That means there is no evil that is above him. So you never have to be afraid. So I want you to remember that when dealing with spiritual things. If you're a believer, you have him in you, you have authority. Yeah, somebody got that. You have authority. This is really important. That's one of the things I want you to see. You have authority over it all. The second thing I want you to see from this verse, he gave them authority. They didn't earn it. They didn't work for it. They didn't have to pray hard enough to get it. This is really important. They didn't have to fast 40 days first. I'm going to mess with some theology here. Do you know that there's a lot of people that think, oh, I can be powerful enough if I just do this, this, and this. Maybe if I read through this five times this year, demons will run. This word is powerful. When you quote this word, demons tremble. Yes. Prayer is important, and if God's leading you to fast, it's because he wants to work on you, and he wants to tell you something, teach you something, but that's not why you have authority. You have authority because he gave it. And you know what he said to his followers? Freely you've received, freely give. That means they didn't earn it. You're like, well, why are you on this? Because you don't know how many people, when they face a spiritual thing, the first thing the devil will tell them, you're not good enough. Or remember what you did? Well, you haven't prayed very much. Immediately, they lose faith in dealing with it. And then the devil likes it the other way when he can make somebody think they've earned it. And they go around acting proud and think, well, it's because I prayed enough, because I did this enough, that's why. Did you know Jesus' kingdom works different than the devil's kingdom? The devil requires people to earn their power with him. He requires them to sacrifice for it. He requires them to give something, to do something. Jesus does not. Jesus does not. He said, if you believe, that's it. Did Jesus tell people they had to give him money before they could be healed? No, but the devil's kingdom does. Did Jesus tell people, come back after you fasted 20 days? No, he did not. He always said, if you believe. If you're having trouble believing, then you go to the Lord and take some time. But if you believe, all things are possible to them that believe. Not to them that work hard enough. This is key. This is so important, you guys. 
When you face a spiritual matter and the devil tries to tell you, oh, you can't, you can simply tell him, doesn't matter because my authority doesn't come from me. It comes from him and he can and he already did. And you've already lost. When believers start to deal the same way the enemy's camp does, you are playing with fire and you are actually opening yourself up to wrong spirits. You don't get your power that way. It's freely given. If the Holy Spirit is leading you to pray for some reason, you better do it. But it isn't going to earn you anything. It's because he asked you to. I don't know why I'm on this so much this morning. If you were here last night, you wouldn't have heard this. But it's important. You are powerful and nothing of the enemies can touch you. And you have power over all his power for one reason and one reason only. His name is Jesus. And he gave it to you. Because our authority is in him. Now, you're saying, well, that's kind of extreme. And for some of you, you might never see that. Because honestly, the devil doesn't show himself. He's a sneaky liar. But you are going to come in contact with issues and concerns, and you simply need to pray. Do you know that you yourself can pray about things? I'm going to give one that's maybe a little more easy for everybody to grasp. Did you know that there's such a thing as a spirit of confusion? And possibly you know someone who seems like they're always confused about everything. It's probably a spirit. And you can pray about that. You can pray for them. You can say, hey, it seems like a lot of confusion going on. Can I pray for you? Are you okay? If they are, you simply say, I command confusion to leave my friend's mind now. With authority. You don't have to yell. You don't have to jump around. If you know you have the authority, that's all you have to do. And then ask them, did the confusion go? I guarantee they're going to say yes if you know your authority. Now, let's bring it more. What about if it's you? What about if you're having a moment where it's like, man, what's this confusion about? You have the authority to command confusion to leave your mind. Did you know that? It's simple. Say, confusion, get out of here. And it will go. Very simple. You have authority. Did you know that some people have felt, well, this helping meet spiritual needs, that's all up to the pastors. Not according to Jesus. He sent them out, 70 of them, and then he says he sent out more. He gave them authority, sent them out. Yes, he did some teaching with them, and yes, they spent some time, but he sent them out. If you're a believer, he's sending you out as well. You're like, well, what if I don't know everything? Uh, nobody knows everything, by the way. <laughs> None of us will know everything until we get to heaven. I believe that God wants to empower you. More than anything, he wants to give you the courage and understanding that you can look after things like this. You should never be afraid. And I'm going to give a little warning here to somebody. Do not watch horror movies. They're not real. That's not how people get delivered or not delivered as the movies make it out. Not at all, because it's his authority and his power. He's already paid for it. It's simple. And if you do have a thing for horror movies, quit. You'll be useless in God's kingdom in spiritual matters. You will be useless, because whenever you see a bit of a manifestation, you're going to be afraid, even if nobody knows. And if you're afraid, do you know what that means? 
you don't believe you have the authority. If you don't believe you have authority, you don't. Fear is the one thing that makes you unable to deal in the spirit. You have to command fear to leave and don't fill yourself with fearful stuff or you will be useless spiritually. Okay, so that's for somebody. Don't do it. Fill yourself with Holy Spirit stuff. Fill yourself with uh, stuff that will encourage and embolden you and you will not be afraid of anything. Okay? All right, the other thing Jesus did spiritually, which I think is amazing. So first of all, he spiritually made a way for us to reconnect with our Father, who is Spirit. Secondly, he went and saw people delivered, and of course, he helped us to do the same. And I've been showing you some ways to do that. Thirdly, the spiritual matters, he made a way for us to be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's a spiritual matter. Luke 3.15, everyone was expecting the Messiah to come soon, and they were eager to know whether John the Baptist might be the Messiah. John answered their questions by saying, I baptize you with water, but someone is coming soon who is greater than I am, so much greater that I'm not even worthy to be his slave and untie the straps of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Jesus baptizes with the Holy Spirit. The word baptize, they say, is similar to the word, uh, would be similar to pickling something. You pick a cucumber, you put it in the pickling brine, you let it sit in there till it's not a cucumber anymore, it's a pickle. Because it is filled, saturated with pickle juice. So baptizing in the Holy Spirit means Holy Spirit so fills you that when you walk around, you smell like a Holy Ghost pickle. Oh, not exactly. But it affects you, it changes you, and people notice. Okay, so he wanted to do that for us, fill us, saturate us with his Holy Spirit. And of course, he told his followers, I'm going to do this for you after uh, I rise again. Acts 1 verse 4, once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And verse 8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Acts 2 and verse 1 is the first time we hear about a, the Holy Ghost baptism. It says, on the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place, and suddenly... There was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them ability. So it is a spiritual matter to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You don't physically work for it. You don't make it happen. You receive it. You ask for it. You receive it. Okay. Jesus' followers also prayed for people to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Look at Acts chapter 8 and 14. It says, Now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John, who when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet he had fallen on none of them, they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. So Holy Spirit is something that's available to be poured out 
for you to be baptized after you accept Christ. So if you've accepted Christ as your Savior, you can be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, Holy Spirit plays a part in salvation already, but to be baptized, filled, overflowing with Him, you simply need to ask after you've been saved. Now, as believers, you can pray for someone to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And often they would lay hands on somebody. It's simply a point of contact in prayer. But I want to encourage each of you, if you do pray for someone and you feel to put a hand on a shoulder or anything, you always ask first. Just randomly putting hands on people uh, isn't a great idea in Canada anymore. Like, people get really offended. So don't do that. Ask first, okay? And know this, then pray, Lord, fill with your Holy Spirit. Okay. The tongues part. We're a Pentecostal church, so we talk about that sometimes. If you're wondering, I believe when someone's filled with the Holy Spirit, they have the ability to speak in tongues right then. Some don't right away because of fear or they're unsure or they don't know what to do. But I believe that's given when you're filled and that there will be some form of manifestation of Holy Spirit, the gifts, once you've asked to be filled, okay? And we're not going to get into that right now, but there are the gifts of the Holy Spirit. All right, Holy Spirit. Now, we're going to wrap this up. We have a few minutes. I told you we started with salvation. We're going to end there. And I want to show you something. You see, Jesus very clearly tells us that salvation is a spiritual matter. And salvation, I believe, is the most spiritual thing there is. And I'm going to show you from Scripture. John chapter 3 and verse 1, and they're not going to put it up, I'm going to explain it. Jesus has a conversation with a Pharisee named Nicodemus. Nicodemus comes at night and he says, Jesus, all these miracles are doing, obviously you're from God. But he's trying to find out, are you the Messiah? Are you the one? Like, what's up with this? And in their conversation, Jesus finally says to him, listen, in order to see the kingdom of God, you must be born again. And this Pharisee is like, what? He's thinking physically, not spiritually. Jesus taught about spiritual things, but he's thinking physical, and he says, are you crazy? I'm an old man. Am I supposed to go back in my mother's womb? Like, what are you talking about? And Jesus says, the things I'm talking to you about are spiritual. You need to be born of water, the womb, and you need to be born of the Spirit. Salvation is the most spiritual thing there is. You know, Sometimes in churches, people will be like, oh, I want something more spiritual. You know, can't you get like deeper in the spiritual? Often what they're saying is they want more head knowledge. They want to be smarter than everybody else. The most spiritual thing is salvation. You want to grow in your spirituality? You want to become more spiritual? I'll tell you how. Talk to someone and lead them to Christ. Oh, I don't know. I don't want to do that. I just... You know, I want you to tell me something cool that I can have a miracle happen. Tell me some pattern that I can follow to get what I want. If that's your definition of more spiritual, you're missing the point. So I say to everybody who says they want their lives to grow spiritually, do what we've been preaching for a number of years now. Lead someone to Christ. And if you can't do that, you're not very spiritual. You can say, ouch. We don't play church. Why do you think he gave you everything he gave you? 
Why do you think he created the church? Jesus said, I'm going to build my church on the principle of salvation. The principle of knowing who he was. Not on hard works. Not on your way. He said, I'm going to build my church on the principle of knowing him. That's salvation. And he said this about it. The gates of hell will not be able to stand up. The gates of hell will not be able to stand against his church. Do you guys understand what that means? That means his church will defeat the kingdom of hell. Often years ago, I've heard that verse preached and it made it sound like, oh, the devil can't get us. We will be protected till he finally comes and takes us away. Woo, we're safe. Gates don't walk around and try to attack people in case you didn't notice. Gates trap people. And the kingdom of hell has a lot of people in bondage headed for an eternity separated from God. And he said his church would defeat it. Because you see, in Jesus' day, if you came to a city and your army was powerful enough to break the front gates, you were taking the city. If those gates fell, that city would fall every time. And they knew it. They would make their city gates such a fortress that no enemy could break through. That was the gates they would guard. But if an army could come through those gates, the city was done. Jesus said, my church will defeat the kingdom of hell. You know how you defeat his kingdom? Get somebody saved. (laughs) Like, oh, I wish I could do something to defeat the devil. Lead someone to Christ. Did you know when you lead someone to Christ, devils flee? When you lead someone to Christ, it is a spiritual matter. You know how I know? Because Jesus said when someone comes to him, all of heaven begins to rejoice. Angels stop what they're doing and they take notice. And they begin to rejoice in the spirit. You want to move the spiritual realm? Lead someone to Christ. Devils start trembling and running and angels start rejoicing. There is nothing more spiritual than leading people to Christ. And I want to tell you today, you want to grow in your spirituality, learn how to lead people to him. Did you know in scripture it talks about dead people being raised to life? But it doesn't say the angels rejoice over it. Well, that would make you spiritual, wouldn't it, if you could raise up dead people? doesn't say angels rejoice you can be more spiritual than that lead someone to christ all of heaven will take note did you see that oh hey man did you see trevor just prayed for that guy but they don't do that when someone's raised from the dead so if your idea of being more spiritual is having bigger huger miracles you're wrong i love miracles It doesn't make you more spiritual. Salvation is the most spiritual thing there is, and Jesus made a way for it. You see, he was sent when we were still sinners, and he came and hung on a cross to pay for all sin. His body was whipped and beaten that we could be healed, that we could be made free. Isaiah 53 and verse 5 says, He was pierced for our rebellion. Crushed for our sins, he was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be 
healed. If you're here this morning and you've never asked Christ to be your Savior, you've never prayed and asked Him to come into your life, He wants to do something spiritual for you. He wants to give you a brand new spirit. That's what it means to be born again. And it's simple. Man, I love the gospel because it's simple. He actually said, if you can't become as a little child, you won't enter in. You know why he said that? Because it's simple. Today, you want your spirit changed and you've not had this opportunity. We're going to do it today. Scripture says, if you believe that he died for you and made a way, you can say it with your mouth and you will be saved. So we take opportunity every week to lead in a prayer that allows you to use words. And church, it is the most spiritual thing we can do. I don't ever want you to get tired of hearing that prayer. I want you, when we pray it, to close your eyes and see someone's spirit being made new. I want you to be able to close your eyes and see devils running because that person's been changed. Don't ever belittle salvation. Don't ever think it's not enough. So we're going to pray right now for those who maybe didn't have an opportunity yet. I want you to bow, close your eyes for a minute, and repeat this prayer after me. We're going to do it together for that one or possibly two who have not done it yet. Repeat this. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe you died for me. I ask you now, forgive me of all my sin. Give me a new spirit. I thank you now. I am saved. Amen. Give God praise.